this morning at five o'clock, I dropped Regina off at the airport so she could fly to North Carolina, be with our daughter, uh, and help her to I'll take care of my daughter while she's going into finishing up the last couple of weeks of her, of her pregnancy. And then just before church, my daughter's like, we left church early, uh, having contractions. So we don't know what's going on, if they're Braxton Hicks contractions, or if they're real contractions, or what. So Regina's right now at Chicago Air Airport, waiting for her second flight to Raleigh-Durham. And she may get there and everything's fine. She may get there and go straight to the hospital. We don't know. So just keep them in your prayers. As, uh, as, as that moves forward. Uh, if, if something happens significant, I'll send out a text to everybody through our church texting service. So you'll know. You can all rejoice and then send send gifts. I mean, I mean, you, you can just rejoice. Just rejoice. And, and, and any, any if, uh, if, if we're going to set up a, a food meal plan, you're welcome to bring the meal plan to our house for the next three weeks because my girls are going to have me. Uh, well, they're, they're hoping it's not me cooking. I should say that. Yeah, actually, Regina's done real good. She got a meal plan all set up, and she got the girls in order. And I'll be okay. I will survive. My girls will take care of me. Today, we're finishing up our series in Psalm 23, talking about the Lord is my shepherd. And if you know, we've been going through the, not quite verse by verse, but taking a look at the three key words, Lord, my shepherd. And so today, we're looking at the last one. The Lord is my shepherd. We looked the very first week at the Lord. Who is the Lord? Who is this God that David is talking about? Who is this one that we worship? Who that we come together? We looked at all the various names of different names of God and how that relates to David as as the shepherd taking care of the sheep and how we acknowledge who God was and what he saw in there. Then last week we looked at we personalized. We said God is not just the shepherd for other people. He's not the God for other people. He's my shepherd as well. He's a shepherd for me. He came and saved my, forgive me of my sins. He saved me from my, what I needed. And he came in and, and met me right where I was and met all of my needs. That's what, so that it wasn't just, oh, God is the God for those people over there. He's not the God for the people across the around the world or across the country. He's also there for me. And so this week we're looking at the part three of that. And we're going to really center in on, what does it mean when we say, the Lord is my shepherd? What is that word shepherd? What is that all about? And so if you have your Bibles, open up in the book of Psalm. I'll open up to Psalm 23 this morning as we take a look at this passage again. And we're going to clue in on chapter on verses 5 and 6 as we go through this this morning. Psalm 23. We're going to read the whole psalm and we're going to, then we're going to clue in on verses 5 and 6. David starts out. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's, let's go to God in prayer real quick. Lord God, we thank you so much for this passage, for the encouragement that it has been over the past several weeks, 
that we've been studying together at church and how I've been studying for months even ahead before that, praying over it and asking you to reveal yourself in this passage. And I pray, Lord God, that this morning as we look at this passage, we'll be able to not just see you as God, but not see you as our God, but see you as the shepherd who cares for his flock, protects his flock, and through that shows his mercy and his goodness to all those in your care. In Jesus' name I pray. You can see from this passage, and we think about shepherds that we may have seen pictures of or videos of, or the shepherd's got a big job, right? It's not just sitting back on the rock, smoking his wacky tobacco, got his pipe. If you think hobbits, you know, they, when you think of the hobbits, got their big old long pipes, and they're just sitting back, just chilling. My brothers, when they get together, they whip out their pipes and sit on the backyard. Oh, everything's just good, nothing, everything's peaceful. That's not a shepherd's job. A shepherd has a big job. Sheep are tough. Sheep are tough animals. Um, there's a reason why, like I said last week, there's a reason why we're called sheep, because we're tough animals to God. We're stubborn, we're blind, and he's got a big job there managing us and taking care of us. It's an everyday, all-day task. You think, as your pastor, I'm supposed to be on call 24-7? God's on call 28-92. It, it's... He never stops. He never stops. He's always engaged in watching out for us and trying to meet our needs. So today we're going to look at this as we kind of center in on these last two verses. We're going to look at how we can find rest in the shelter of his goodness and his mercy. We can find rest in the shelter of his goodness and his mercy. Look here in verse 5. What does it say there? It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. What does that say to us? Very simply, it says that he provides true rest under his provision and his protection. He comes, he steps in and gives us the true rest that we need and we want and desire. He's there for us. When we look at that passage here, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I don't know about you guys, but that immediately draws to my mind a huge banquet table. But that's not what the passage is talking about. How many of you ever driven out west? You've driven across Utah or Nevada or Wyoming, and you see the big mesa flats. You're driving down the road, and you look up, and there's this huge rock formation on the top. It's just flat. We call those mesas, right? In Spanish, it means table. That's what David's talking about. The shepherd will take his sheep up to these flat areas of land and let his sheep eat the grass and the, and the stuff up there. And while they're there, right in the, they're up on the high area, every animal can see them, all of their enemies can see them. So he's saying literally, God takes you to the high place, takes you up to the place that's where you're most vulnerable, and he has the watch care over you. He has the watch care over you. He's preparing that table. He takes you up to that place where all the food is spread out, where everything, all the, all the flock may be spread out. And he's there watching and caring for them. David talks about Israel in kind of a negative light when you think of the tables. He uses, uses them as an example of, of Israel's rejection of God's provision for them. So if God is leading his flock up to the tops of these little tables, these mesas, and providing for them. Remember the green pastures are not these huge 
waist-high, deep alfalfa that we picture in our minds many times, they have to find the little sparse pieces of grass all over the place, and the shepherd knows where to go. So he leads them up there. And so as, as God is leading Israel in the, to the promised land, he's leading Israel across the desert, taking them from provision to provision to provision to provision. David references in Psalm 78 how Israel rejected God's provision. He says, and yet they sinned still more against him. I'd like that to be your story. They sinned still more against him. Rebelling against the Most High in the desert, they tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rock so water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he also give bread and meat for his people? Israel rejected the provision that God was given to them and kept going back, kept going back, kept going back and trying to find their own provision. Isn't that us? God is the good shepherd and desires to provide for us just what we need. And yet we in our humanness we tend to reject what God has for us because that's not what we expected. It's not steak and meat and potatoes or eggs and grits. It's what we, God gives us just what we need. Man, look at what Israel said there. It says, can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rock and water gushed out. Can he also give us bread and, or provide meat for his people? They spoke against him because he was not giving them just what they wanted. But here the shepherd in Psalm 23 leads his people to the top of the table to where he's got the banquet laid out for them. Those pieces of grass the provision just for them. Just what they need at just the right time. And then his second job besides feeding and watering his flock is every night his job is to get them back to the sheepfold safely. To get them safely back to where they began the day, right? He says, you, you prepare the table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. That's a reference to the shepherd leading them back into the sheepfold. And as they came in, not only did he count them to make sure all the sheep came back, he would also go around and anoint their horns, anoint their heads with oil to keep the flies off, to keep the other bugs off, and to make sure, check them for ticks, check them for other kinds of insects, and make sure if any got injured during the day, he was there to put salve on them and wrap up and make sure all their hurts were taken care of. No boo-boos would keep, keep them from being into blood the next day. He was there to get the flock safely back to the sheepfold so they could find rest within the sheepfold. He might spread out more food for them, but he definitely took care of them and protected them as they lied down to sleep. They didn't have to worry about the future. They didn't have to worry about wild animals coming in. They didn't have to worry about bandits coming up. They could just sleep because the shepherd was there watching and caring for them. They were protected by the stone wall or the wood stockade like in the picture behind me. They're protected by what's around them. The shepherd is prepared to keep them within those enclosures, within that confine for their protection. Sure, they could have wandered off. They could have left and gone someplace else on the way in, but they would not have remained under the shepherd's protection. Only within the sheepfold at night were they protected. 
Only there was the shepherd able to watch them and keep his eyes on them. And he would literally lie across the opening of the sheepfold. There was no door that opened and closed generally. He would lay there across the opening, and that's where he slept. That's where he made his camp, right there across it. So if any sheep tried to leave, he was there to stop them. If any wild animals tried to come in, he would stop them. If any bandits came to try to steal a sheep and drive them out, he was right there to stop them. That's our good shepherd. That's what he does for us. He leads us back into the sheepfold. He takes us under his protection. He takes us under his provision. And he is there watching us to make sure we are cared for. He, he literally would become the door. He literally became the door of the sheepfold. Because it was opening. It was just open. Go back. Go back. There he is. He's right there. Literally sitting in the door. Laying there, protecting. He was the door. So now think of that as Jesus made the claim, I am the door of the sheep. In John chapter 10, it says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will, go, and will go in and out and find master. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He didn't come to squash our fun. Jesus didn't come to keep us from enjoying life. He didn't come to let us go out into the wild and participate in all the sin that he knows is going to keep us from having a truly joyful life, one that's abundant, that he desires for us. He says, I am the door there protecting you. I am the door there giving you provision. I am the door giving you what you need. This also tells me that in this example, that God doesn't remove the dangers from our lives. He doesn't remove them from us, but he does help us to overcome them. It's not being paralyzed by fear ourselves. He does remove the bad things that happen in our lives because we live in a sinful world and bad things are going to happen. Yesterday, one of, our, one of our kids fell and broke her leg. That's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. Bad thing for her grandparents. Bad thing for her siblings. Definitely a bad thing for her. God does not stop necessarily prevent those things from happening, but in those bad things that do happen, we find his protection, we find his provision, we find him right there coming alongside of us, helping us to overcome those obstacles so we are not paralyzed. So we can move forward and accomplish the task that God has before us. Again, this all goes back, right? What's our task? We go and make disciples of all nations and make disciples who can make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That is our task as a church. Our task is not to come and sit. Our task is to go and make disciples. This is training ground. Out there is the ministry. Out there is where we're to be going and making disciples and reaching those in our communities. Wherever you workshop, eat, play, live, right? I can beat, like, I beat that like a dead horse. <laughs> you probably think I have. But wherever we go, we are to be making disciples. We are to be sharing the love of Christ. We can't control what people do. We can't control their response. 
but we are to be the voice speaking the truth to those around us. Wherever we work, shop, eat, play, or live. See, if we allow fear to control our decisions, then we are not allowing ourselves to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Right? A couple weeks ago, we talked about the man who was unwise in our series of Proverbs. The man who was unwise allowed himself to become controlled by alcohol or drugs or some of the other substance. And fear can do that to us as well. As we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what is out there. And we can allow ourselves to be controlled by that fear instead of allowing ourselves as God's people to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit in every aspect of our life, every single aspect. But it, it means wherever you, God leads you to go to church, those of you who God has led you here, wherever God has led you to live, that neighborhood, wherever God has led you to work, wherever God led you to go to school, that person God led you to marry, all those things are to be guided and directed by His Holy Spirit. We can't allow other outside influences to come in and, and to destroy what the Holy Spirit is trying to realize that leading. When we do that, we're no different than the alcoholic or the drug dealer. We're controlled by these substances. God is out there. He wants us to be more than conquerors, right? He, he raises us up so that we can become more than conquerors in this world. And Paul writes in Romans 8, since as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. God has created us to be conquerors. The battle is already won. The war is over. We have to go backwards now. We're fighting the many battles to lead up to the end of the war. But the war is already done. We already know the end. God has already written it. We know what happens. We just, in our humanness, we, we see the, the stuff right in front of our eyes and that can distract us and keep us from enjoying what God has waiting for us. We can allow Satan to allow these circumstances in our lives to frustrate us and discourage us. I mentioned earlier about the shepherd, as the sheep would come into the fold, he would examine those sheep and, and try to take care of them and look for injuries or sickness if they ate a poisonous plant. For the injured, he would apply the soothing oil to the wounds, maybe wrap it up if it needed. For the thirsty, he used a, literally a, a large two-handled cup of water. For those who came in, and as they, as they came in as he counted them, he'd give them a cup of water, give them a sip of water, give them a sip of water there. And he would be there providing for them because the cup overflowed. He applied oil to the heads and the horns, keep flies and other insects away. He is our good shepherd. That's what a good shepherd does. He doesn't just stand there and go, come on in, get out of here, come on in, come on in. He cares for the sheep. He looks after the sheep. And the sheep knew they were safe. There's a reason why they followed that voice the reason, there's a reason why they watched and looked for that crook, the shepherd's crook. That's what they followed. That's what they listened for. 
They knew they were safe within the shepherd's protection and his provision. Not only do we find protection and provision from the shepherd, we also find goodness and mercy in the Father's house. We find goodness and mercy in the Father's house. Verse 6, verse 6, put David writes, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What an awesome verse. What an awesome reminder of what God is bringing to us, what he desires for you and I. It's not just a life to exist. He wants to make us more than conquerors. He wants to give us an abundant life. We don't just exist in God's world, in his universe. He has so much there for us. He wants us to be able to experience the goodness and mercy in some of his core character qualities. He wants us to know just who he is. Right? We're doing this whole series, Proverbs and Psalms, because I want you to know and understand the heart and the character of God. His heart and his mind. And so we can embrace him as he is and know how what he wants us to become. Because if we are going to become like him, we have to first know what he's like. Right? So every day the shepherd, as he sat, as he sat there in, his, in the door, the sheep were tended for, they were going to sleep, they were resting. He put oil on their horns and their heads. He'd given them some water. He'd given them some more food. The shepherd would often sing songs, write poetry. You want to know where David had time to do that? Sitting there at the door of the sheepfold, <laughs> watching his sheep, watching the goats. And he sat there in the door and he wrote some beautiful songs. And they sat there and looked up over the sky and think back on the day by God's provision and you think about how God was a good God. Think of thanks for the God's blessing for the day. Look up at the stars and think of the magnificence of who God is. They didn't have light pollution like we do now. I, I go outside my front porch or my backyard and I'm looking up going, there's a couple stars up there. All the lights around me are, are blocking out, blunking out. I'll tell you the place I've been where it is most amazing sky. Not West Texas. Not, not, not any place here in the United States. When I was in North Korea, walking home from the restaurant, and I would look up and there would just be one or two street lights lighting the way. And you could stop and look up and the sky was just beautiful. The stars everywhere. And you can see the constellations so clearly. You can see the magnificence and the awesomeness of God and experience that. And I would just give thanks. I'm walking back to my hotel with my escorts. Escorts. And I would just sing. Sometimes out loud, sometimes just to myself. And I would just sing. And I'd say, David, what are you singing about? Do you really want me to tell you? <laughs> I'm saying about the goodness of God. I'm saying to my God, because I look up there and I see how awesome he is. And they go, no. By see, by the sea, make disciples, make disciples. I look at that sky, and we're up on the mountaintop, putting in those wind turbines, 
and stop as it gets dusk and the stars start to come out there and you're above everything else and you're looking out across the landscape and you see the awesome beautiful creation of God and you see the stars come out you see the beauty and magnificence and driving back down that road sometimes I would imagine the trees lifting up their hands to heaven giving praise to God the rocks crying out the trees crying out in a land where they could not openly worship the Lord. The goodness and the mercy of God. Romans 8 says, We know that all these things, for that for all those things, who all those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God desires goodness and good things for us. The good shepherd desires good things for his sheep, for you and me. I love this. In this passage here, it says, Surely, we read it in English, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Literally, that means, the word surely means only. Only. So if we think of that in that, in that light, the Hebrew word, only goodness and mercy. With God as my shepherd, with the Lord as my shepherd, only goodness and mercy, they will be my ultimate companions. They will follow me my whole life. When I get through a situation where I look back and I see what happened, I can see the hand of God in that. I can see the hand of God directing circumstances. I can see the hand of God directing my life. And I can rejoice and sing about the goodness of God like we did this morning. Regina found that song to teach you guys last year, as you know, while I was going through COVID and I was in the hospital and touch and go and nobody knew if I was going to get through it. She ran across that song, and I don't know if it came to her on the radio or where, but that song saying about the goodness of God got her through the three weeks where she, I didn't know until later because I was kind of out of it, and I was thinking about, oh, woe is me, I'm going to be on a ventilator, I'm, I'm here in the hospital, I can't see my family for three weeks. My wife, my kids, my church, my our friends around the world, you guys were praying earnestly for God's hand of healing in our life. We can look back now and rejoice at the goodness of God. Was it fun to go through that? Uh, no. Would, would I have, if I had another choice, would I have done things differently? Like not lay on the couch and play man cold for two for a week while I was going through COVID? Uh, yeah, I would have gotten moved around and not let pneumonia sit in. Uh, that would be my choice now. <laughs> not be a would-be dad, a would-be man. But we can look back and see God's hand, how God pushed through that, and God preserved. And if something had happened to me, I, I wasn't afraid of what was going to happen. I knew that if I had passed away, I knew where I would be. I was not worried about me. I was worried about you guys. I was worried about my wife, worried about my kids, what would happen. That's what was on my mind. Because I knew that my sins were already taken care of. I knew that God in his goodness had already dealt with me. I knew that he already had me in his hands. I was good. Because God is good. Because his mercy and his goodness were my companions through that time. When we pray that, we sing that song that we did this morning, we're crying out and we're singing about one of his core Character attributes. We're rejoicing because who God is at his very core. He's a good God. He's a merciful God. 
But do we give thanks to him for his goodness? Do we ever stop and give thanks to God for his goodness? For the mercy that he showers on us every day? Do we stop and think, hey God, you've got me in your hands. You're taking care of me. You are providing my needs. You are the provider and protector. As I come into the sheepfold, you're there making sure that I'm okay. You're giving me water. You're giving me more food. You're putting oil on my head so that I might be okay. You're my good shepherd. See, because all the things in our lives right now that confuse us, we look and we think, man, I don't like what's going on in politics. I don't like what's going on in our government. I don't like what's going on around the world. They all confuse me. I don't like these different choices and lifestyles that are being pushed on us. God, where are you? Instead, we say, should we thank you, God, for his goodness? And he showers on us every day. Thank God for his mercy. And he showers on us every day. That's what David is doing here. He's acknowledging, God, your love and your mercy and your, your goodness are there with me all day long. And then he says, I'm looking forward to spending time with God forever. Forever. He says, literally, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm not talking about the temple. I'm not talking about the tabernacle that was there at that time, the temple that would future-wise be built. He's talking about living in the Father's house, living in heaven, enjoying the goodness of God in His presence. I can't wait to spend time in His presence. I can't wait to meet God face to face and say, yo, dude, come on, let's go play golf. Could I beat you? <laughs> not. <laughs> I can't wait to spend time in his presence and get to enjoy all the blessings. I can't wait to see you guys there. I'm going to invite you over to my house for some real coffee. Once I've roasted myself and ground up with care. Yep, just right. Gonna have you come over there. We're going to have a good time. We'll give, we'll give Adam some tea. He's not a coffee guy. We'll give him some tea. But heavenly tea, man, that's left to there. <laughs> Look at, look at Jesus uses the same language in talking about heaven in John chapter 14. As David is re referencing and looking forward to spending time in heaven for forever. John, David, John, I'm sorry, Jesus. I'll get there in a minute. Jesus says in John 14, let your heart, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to my Father's place to prepare for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Jesus, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In heaven, right now, God is preparing a room for you, for me, so we can enjoy the Father's house. That's what David is talking about. I'm going to get to dwell with you forever. I long to be with you forever. Do you look forward to the coming of Jesus? Do you look forward to getting to enjoy the blessings that God has for us? Does the, the weight of this world, does it kind of come in and, and cloud, cloud your mind? To keep you discouraged and depressed and frustrated about what's going on? Or do you look forward and long for what's ahead? The hope that's there. There's a re the reason why the Chinese government, especially the North Korean government, 
hates the faith, hates Christian faith, is because it gives hope to people. It hates that, that their people, once they become believers and followers of Jesus, that they no longer depend on the government for what the government's going to give them every single day, but they now have a hope for the future, hope beyond this world, hope in another life, an eternal life. And they look forward to the goodness of God. Look forward to enjoying Him for all eternity. Under the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, the sheep died for the shepherd so the shepherd could eat. The sheep were there for one purpose, to provide meat and income for the shepherd. With Jesus as our good shepherd, the good shepherd dies for his sheep, and we shall one day meet the good shepherd. He's there. See the difference? In the Old Testament, the picture that David draws here is, is of the shepherd caring for the sheep because the sheep have a value to him. The sheep have a purpose for him taking care of them. The sheep are there because they're going to provide food or money for his family. Kind of selfish a little bit, but he still cares for them. But in, in the way we look at it is looking back now at the cross, looking back at what Jesus did, he died for his sheep. He didn't use us as just tools to advance his kingdom. He invites us into his kingdom to become a part of what he's doing. As the good shepherd, he died for us so we might have our sins forgiven, so he might invite us into his house and dwell with him forever. Well, listen to this picture of what it's going to look like. Revelation chapter 7. It says, Therefore, there before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. He who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to the springs of living water. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's what is waiting for us in the Father's house. That is what is waiting for us in the presence of God as he invites us into his home, into his heaven for eternity, to rejoice with him. And we can stand before him and say, God, I don't have to sing about your goodness as, as, a, as just a, uh, an idea, a thought. I can look now at the goodness of God. I can look right now at he who is merciful. I can look right now at the one who is holy. I can look right now and experience the love of the risen Christ. I don't know about you guys. That's the kind of shepherd I want to serve. That's the kind of king I want to live for. That's the kind of life I want to experience now and in the future. Because that shepherd, that good shepherd, is there. <coughs> he is there with his arms open wide, inviting you to come into his sheepfold, to come into his protection under his provision. He wants to be your shepherd too, now and into eternity. The question is, will you let him? Or will you be like the stubborn sheep that wanders away? They has to go search for him. Will you let him be your shepherd? Will you invite him in as your good shepherd? Will you know? He's, he's, there's none better. He wants to be there guiding us. And even as a believer, those who are believers, we, we can tend to go our own way many times if we're not, we're not smart. We'll go where we live. 
instead of falling in. You bow your heads and close your eyes just for a minute as Karis comes up to lead us and find us all here in a second. Just to ask you a couple questions. For those in the room who've already committed their lives to Christ, you can say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. But maybe you'd say, Pastor, as we're going through this series, I realize that I'm not trusting Jesus as my good shepherd. I'm, I'm trying to take control myself. And this morning, I want to give it over to him again. I want to be, let him step in and become my good shepherd. I try to trust in him completely for my future, for my provision, for my protection. Just slip up your hand so I can pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you're in the room this morning or watching online and you'd say, Pastor, I, I, I've never followed Jesus. I've never trusted in him. But after hearing the last couple of messages, I realized that Jesus is not, God is not this judgmental spoil sport that wants us to follow and not have any fun. He has an abundant life there waiting for me and he wants to be my good shepherd. And I want to step in and become part of that flock that he's leading. If that's you, and you're here in the room this morning, just slip up your hands so I can pray for you. Slip up your hands for me. If you're watching online, and you want to say, Pastor, that's me. Just write in the comments section down below the video. Please pray for me. I'm going to become one of his sheep. We'll teach, show you how. I'm going to pray a prayer this morning. Pray for those who wanted to make him a good shepherd for the very first time. And if that's you, if you just repeat after me to yourself, pray this prayer to yourself as I pray and lead you in this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I'm one of those wandering sheep that you talked about. Outside the flock, outside the fold. And I need the good shepherd. I need Jesus to bring protection and provision into my life. So today, I want to give myself to Him. Ask forgiveness for my sins and invite Him into my life to follow Him, to become one of His sheep, and to live under His protection and provision for the rest of my life. Jesus, I pray.